Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is arriving in Miami for the F1 race or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, they deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINT, you can save over $8,000 dollars per jet card. Use promo code points and fly to the Miami Grand Prix in style at flyalliance.us. podcast the fastest growing formula one podcast in the world on today's episode the inaugural miami grand prix a stunning 5.4 kilometer street circuit 57 laps encircling hard rock stadium home of the miami dolphins coined america's monaco where the marina is painted on and completely fake but the draw and atmosphere was as authentic this week as any other circuit we've seen in history The race looked to be in the bag for Red Bull's Max Verstappen until a crash between Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly on lap 41 brought out a safety car. Max was able to fight off Charles Leclerc through the final 11 laps, taking his third podium and race win of the year. Charles taking his fourth podium and scoring good points for Ferrari, while Carlos Sainz was able to fend off Checo Perez to return back to the podium first time since Jeddah. I'm your host, Matt O'Teal, and joined on this week's episode, as always, is Sam Russell and Stefano Sedano, and we have so much to talk about for our Miami Grand Prix race recap. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Matt. That was a fun race. Very, very interesting. A lot came out of it. Um, I'm glad that we were in Miami, and I, I enjoyed it. I can't wait to hear your takes. Stefano, welcome back. I got one thing to say, guys. It's showbiz, and that's my reaction for the race. Absolutely unbelievable atmosphere down in Miami this weekend. There is so much to talk about this weekend. The celebrities buzzing around, the absolutely crazy street circuit. It was almost a tale of two races today between what looked like after the first couple laps shaping up to be a pretty, I wouldn't say boring, but a pretty uneventful race where most of the grid seemed like the pace was pretty much set and it was coming down to a little bit of strategy later on in the race. But guys, then we saw that big crash on lap 41, safety car deployed, bunched the field back up, which was looking to be a really good battle. But let's start with, as always, Max versus Charles in today's race. Opening lap one, Max went full send. He was on the racing line, looked to be like he got a good start. Carlos Sainz got a very good start. Carlos ran a great race, but Max just being the world champion that he is, an experienced driver and having absolutely no fear, braved around the outside to overtake Carlos. And that was a huge move for him in the battle with Charles at the top. Sam, let's start with you. Your your reactions into lap one in that first battle between Max and Charles. You, you said it well. Sainz had a pretty solid start, actually. Uh, Max is just... He's so strong off the line, and he, the way he just goes into that first corner, just fearless, 
it's, I mean, it's special. And that was kind of the difference. It was a huge moment in his chase to catch Leclerc. And I wonder what would have happened if Sainz was able to come out of, you know, turn one with the lead, what that would have done for Charles being able to maybe put a little gap between him and Max would have been interesting, but yeah, Max is just, he's the driver's champion right now for a reason. That was a, that was a championship move. Um, and it, and it definitely set him up to, to win the race. And pretty impressive too, considering the race weekend that he had very little time spent on track, just kind of showing, obviously Charles Leclerc has been phenomenal this year. He is giving Max an absolutely incredible race and run for their money, but Max having spent little time on track, it just shows he's in such a league of his own in terms of being able to come out there and find that pace for the, for the Red Bull. And I think you're right. I think though, even if signs got a decent start, that Red Bull had so much pace down the straights. Even when you saw Ferrari with DRS, they were still carrying. I think it was like a seven or eight kilometer speed advantage in the straights. But Stefano, your reaction too to this whole Max Charles battle starting on lap one, but give us your reaction, big Ferrari guy. Oh man, Charles is going to have to be on it for the rest of the season because Max, you can see the experience he has. Signs definitely got a good start, like you guys said, but it speaks to Max's ability that he was able to jump in front on the first turn. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a season. Apart from that, Red Bull just about had the legs on Ferrari today, like you said. Even in the DRS zones, Ferrari just couldn't catch up. They were making they were making uh, some progress in the turns. You know, they were running a higher downforce car. They had a little bit of time that they got back in the turns, but on the straights, you know, there was no catching Red Bull today. Yeah, no, it was really, really difficult. And actually for a, a Ferrari car that has had such high downforce packages and had and has sector two advantages throughout the races, Red Bull was pretty close in sector two times. And I think this has been a recurring theme for we've been discussing all year on the podcast, the medium tire compound Red Bull had such a pure advantage over Ferrari. But then once they put on the hards, the, the lap times are very, very similar between the two cars. So this whole concept of the tire deg and how these cars are adapting, like we saw in Australia, where the, it was the polar opposite where Ferrari clearly had the advantage on the medium compound. Max had uh, some reliability issues, which kind of cost him the race, but the tires are playing such a big factor, including even Albon coding on the qualifying that he was able to not get his tires up to the right temperature after the race. Max was even talking about for the safety car restart, couldn't get his tires on the hard up to temperature, but lap one, it was, it was pretty, pretty hard fought going into turn one. I mean, Sam, we've watched a lot of races, you knew Carlos Sainz is kind of a sitting duck, not on the racing line. The drivers complaining about how the non-racing line was a little bit dirtier. There was some dust. It was a little bit slipperier, hard to find some grip. So it almost seemed like starting first, third, fifth was more of an advantage. And we saw some other cars in the in that midfield section also making up some places onto lap one, which was super electric. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting start, but I, I agree it would like like we talked about earlier signs didn't even get a bad start he just he just couldn't keep up with with max on that racing line and, and you're right i think the, the on the inside there had such a clear advantage off the line it was almost like a similar like what happened at imola where the two ferraris started on the the newer part of the track which had less grip and under the wet and and both red bull started on the left hand side of the track so 
it, it just goes back to like starting on certain grid spots with these cars that are so evenly matched and these drivers that are so impressive are, are could be the difference maker. And I honestly don't even know if Max started P2. I, I don't know what he would he have had the same exact reaction time, the same type of start as as he did in starting P3. But Sam, your guy, Carlos Sainz, you know, he ended up staying P3 the rest of the race. He lost it to turn one. He lost out to Max, but Carlos raced a good race and we needed that out of him for for you guys ferrari fans it was a huge weekend for carlos Sainz, especially after a mega shot into the wall yeah for me he's um he's one of my drivers of the day i think he's sneaky raced a, a fantastic race with his back against the wall there you know third was the best he was going to do today to your point so i think he maximized maximized his race and i thought he kept you know cool and calm composure when checo was tracking him down and then kind of you know oversteered into that corner just turned back in and and just played that cool as a cucumber so i thought he raced a a really good race out there it was big for him it made it so the red bull win with max wasn't as you know detrimental as it would have been if you know if they went one two or one three so great race from carlos glad to see him back in the podium yeah he was able to fend off checo and keep his team constructor in, in the lead by six points if those two had swapped places it would have been now red bull leading the constructors but super early in the season stefano we've heard after the race that the ferrari team actually has not been bringing a ton of upgrades we thought there was going to be a big engine upgrade bringing this weekend we thought they were going to bring some development but all in all we're seeing kind of the same car that they brought in bahrain and they're one of the only teams on the grid who have really not dove into that cost cap this year. Red Bull has had to bring two different power units. They've been bringing upgrades. They're probably spent the least out of any other team on there, but they're still spending quite a bit. Matteo Bonato, after the race, says they think they're going to bring an actual package to Spain this weekend. First time ever. But are you pushing the panic button on Ferrari after today, or at least in the drivers with Max no and way. Charles in terms of that car? No way. I think Ferrari is just... I think they're waiting to play their hand. You know, once you get into the European circuits, the more technical track, I think Ferrari's aerodynamic advantage is going to is gonna speak volumes there. You know, you don't have those huge, like, over one kilometer straights in Europe. Not At least not in a lot of the tracks are, are having a, a lot of uh, long straights. But I definitely don't think they played their hand yet. Like like you said, it's early in the season. So uh, Can I just say, um, I'm done falling for these upgrade package Twitter conspiracies every single week you know hand up i was always falling for them and i'm learning now that like 90 percent of these upgrades that apparently are happening that we hear about like tuesday or wednesday from you know random twitter people they like they don't happen like i thought i thought we were getting an upgrade from ferrari this week nothing mercedes every single week oh upgrades and then comes race week and they're like no nah, we didn't really bring anything so i'm done falling for that I know Ferrari saying that they're bringing one to Spain. I'll believe it when I see it. No, that's fair. And we'll talk Mercedes upgrades later on in this episode when we kind of talk about our, the Mercedes reaction. But I wanted to just kind of also touch a little bit about on the track. So obviously, first time we actually got to see the track in action, there was a pretty great battle for with Max and, and Leclerc towards the end. I think Leclerc was getting a little bit closer, but we saw a bunch of crashes today. I mean, that crash between Norris and Gasly, not so much to do with the track. That was mega. But we saw a ton of crashes over the weekend and free practice. We saw Carlos Sainz hitting the wall. We saw Latifi spinning out. We saw... 
uh, Joe Grand Yu hitting the wall. We saw Vettel getting into it today. We saw Mick getting into it today. We just saw Bottas going deep. We saw even Checo into turn one against signs going uncharacteristically deep for Checo. So this track, drivers were complaining about it. The fans thought it was great. Lewis Hamilton comedy loved it. Everyone's kind of mixed emotions on this track. What did you guys think of it? I personally thought it was it was awesome. I liked it. It was like it was almost like Jetta last year, though, where it was a new track for the driver, so they didn't really figure it out. High speed, little bit tight. Maybe they need to widen a couple turns for next time. But I really enjoyed the track. Sam, you start. What what'd you think of the track? First time we saw race cars. So all those thoughts like jumbled together is exactly kind of how I feel. Like I I really liked the track. Thought it was like visually, like aesthetically, I thought it was you know pleasing and it was a, it was fun to watch a race on. But it kind of felt like it didn't really encourage overtaking. So I felt like it was yeah, kind of boring definitely. at times. And I, that might have been the product of Red Bull's just straight line speed, just impossible to overtake them. But um, I just I felt like it didn't really encourage overtaking. So it was a little boring in that sense. And and the safety cars just changed everything. I mean, it was a tale of two races, but a lot of the, the, the incidents you mentioned, I thought were just more like poor driving, like the two Haas uh, drivers, they were reckless out there. Those, those had nothing to do with the track. They were just kind of piss poor the last few laps, bizarre sequence with them. I don't really know what happened with Haas in the last couple laps, but it was uh, overall in general, I liked the track. Would have liked to see a little bit more overtaking, but I'm okay with them moving forward with Miami races. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the biggest issue with the track was just the evolution of it, right? There was just really, really hard for these cars to kind of get used to it. One of the racing lines was had a ton of grip. I think try, going into the other racing line, less grip. So even like on those straights, DRS, when they were having it to kind Let's of- DRS, we, we thought DRS was going to be the story of the race, with the three DRS zones and the straights. And was like, oh, DRS is going to be a big thing. We could see like cat and mouse. DRS was a non-story. Just non -story. It didn't really like play, yep. into, and play into anything today. Honestly, I mean, like the hype and the pageantry around it was great. The spectacle was amazing, but the actual track itself, personally, I thought it was slightly underwhelming. It's not technical enough to encourage actual like, you know, organic racing like you said we thought the drs was going to play a bigger factor into it not so much the track itself sort of like it like we said earlier in the last episode it favors the the higher power cars so it's just a contest of who's got the best engine at that point you know and, and talking about drs like there's not a lot of places to overtake we thought that drs was going to encourage more especially on the back straight once the once the the grid settled out you know you just had drivers in the same spot just swapping spot swapping places over and over again we had that drs train with the two astons and the the two haas cars between like i think p14 and p12 you know just swapping places over and over again so maybe the track can be altered a little bit for the future but you know i'm a little bit underwhelmed uh, that's my that's my immediate reaction action. Yeah. And honestly, all the spots that we saw overtakes was exactly where we thought there would be overtakes. There was really no other spots of the track where you saw people trying to brave it around the outside or go no. for some late lunges or, or try and go two cars wide. I mean, to be honest with you, turns 14 through 16, in my opinion, need to be totally reworked because even higher downforce packages, like those turns are so slow that it doesn't even matter what you're bringing for downforce. You cannot yeah. do anything. All the cars are basically taking those three turns the exact same way, which is basically just just like a neutral zone. It doesn't favor anybody. And it doesn't harm anybody. It just is there. And like the elevation change there is totally weird and bizarre. But, and so let me ask you this, is the DRS zones today, did we, do we think collectively that that was just 
a dud because of the nature of the track. Like, do you think we'll see them fix that for setups in future races? I think last year's Jetta, we saw similar concept with Red Bull just getting dominated by Mercedes with the straight line speed, but then they fixed it this year. They kind of took a different approach. Do you think that like cars bringing different balances and setups will alleviate that in the future? Uh, Definitely. I mean, once, once drivers, get more familiar with the track, the track itself is going to come into its own. You know, you're going to see some more aggressive strategies. You're going to see obviously different, different packages that, 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 that teams bring, which is going to encourage different ways of racing. So, you know, obviously this is the first race that this, this track has ever hosted. So you're going to get weird results, weird, weird racing strategies. So definitely stay tuned on this one. I think. Yeah. Weird celebrities too. Hell yeah. No, so <laughs> celebrities, I mean, celebrities were underwhelming. I'll just go there right now. Super underwhelming celebrity showing this weekend. So where was Pitbull? Where was Gloria Esteban? Where, Where was, was J-Lo? Where was Ricky Martin? I mean, no one. I mean, I don't think I even saw Shaq. So, like, David Beckham, he felt like he was kind of, like, the star of the show today. And, like, look, David Beckham's hot, like, tough guy. <laughs> but that's that shouldn't be your top celebrity. Like, it should be Pitbull, J-Lo, Shaq. Where was The Rock? Like, give me some, give yeah. me some big names. I was... I was pretty bummed about about the celebrities. I was you, pretty what did you what did you think of not Patrick Mahomes? The interview scene today was pretty good between Martin Brundle thinking Paolo Banquero was Patrick Mahomes to I don't even know who the, the guy's name who was doing the post race interviews, but that guy was what are you talking character. about the, the guy Willie in the T. black Ribs. shirt? Yeah, Willie, Willie T. T. Willie T. Ribs. T. Ribs. We now have we now have a new nickname for Charles Leclerc, Chuck Leclerc now. Chuck uh, Leclerc. Uh, that was that was wild. So between Martin Brundle and the and Willie Ribs, weird interview scene as well this week. Totally. I mean, just to kind of give you guys another couple names, both Williams sisters who looked like they were so past their peak, it wasn't even funny. I love These how are they the- gave Martin Brundle the cold shoulder too. They it do was not so like awkward. <laughs> it was, was so, so awkward. Williams sisters were, I don't know what's going on with that one. They too. tried to make it about themselves, just like the FIA tries to make most races about themselves. They wanted to like, they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Venus Here. Williams was 10 inches taller than Martin Brundle. He's not a tall guy, dude. Is she like six, four? <laughs> like, I, I think she's so. on the taller side. Yeah. In I, heels I, for sure. I couldn't believe what I was saying when they were standing next to each other. To round out your celebrity weirdo weekend, Sam, Michael Douglas presenting the pole position award to Charles Leclerc was one of the most surreal things I think I have ever seen until I saw Willie T. Ribs call him Chuck Leclerc on national television. (laughs) I don't know what was happening this weekend. To name a few other, these are the notables, by the way, that F1 posted about. Michael Douglas, Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher. Those are kind of expected. Can I stop Michelle you there? Michelle Obama. I just want to, I just want to iterate how much of a, a loaded nail gun Michael Douglas is. Michael Douglas is sick, dude. I love that guy. His he movies is. are. Great. I agree. I He's agree. Such a loaded nail gun. I agree, but why is that your celebrity presenting the pole that was position? Matt, I gotta agree. That was the biggest shocker of the weekend. Scene. I couldn't. It was a shocker, but I'm happy about it. I am happy. I about understand, it. but this is definitely like no, favorite favorite Michael Rain. Douglas movie right Black, now. Black Rain, Gone Basic Instinct. So these are some other notables: Ryan Reynolds, Tony Parker. That was another <laughs> name. 
Bad Bunny, the guy oh, who mean, sings yeah, Despacito. The guy who sings Despacito as a national anthem was a good get. That guy, oh, I Despacito's an all-timer. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree anymore. But anyway, the celebrities there were just, it felt like we were in like the early 2000s. I mean, Will Buxton on doing his grid walk so that he was recognized by Michael Bay. Like, when is, what, who cares, dude? Like, are you kidding me? What did, what did you think of Martin Brundle going up to that Italian guy? It ended up being some famous DJ, Gianluca Vacchi. That guy was a nail gun. Martin Brundle was on his game today. He, he was in peak form. When he ever said whatever to getting Pat Paolo Benchero's uh, name wrong for Patrick Mahomes, he's, Brundle's the best. He I is great. Guy. Just for reference, Martin Brundle is 5'7", and Venus Williams without heels is 6'1". So she was in heels then. <laughs> she was... I mean, she must have been. She must have been close to seven feet tall. It I looked like it. Believe what I was it saying. It looked like it. We might have to, We have to get a picture up and put it on Twitter or Instagram or something of them sitting next to each other. It was. She was at least a foot taller than him. Venus Williams, Hell like yeah. eight feet tall, like an alien. But <laughs> it, honestly, it, it, the thing is, though, it was the atmosphere there looked like it was palpable. I mean, despite like some random celebrities walking around and just some like it was not a who's who. The biggest takeaway I had from the weekend was that the people in Europe have no idea who American celebrities are at all. And like, we're no. talking like big names, like Martin Brundle. You guys talked about it. Martin Dude, Brundle, he ignored Dwayne Patrick Wade. Holmes. Yeah. He, he ignored, ignored Dwayne, Dwayne Wade. Wade. Crazy stuff. But back to the race, the race was boring. Honestly, that's my take so far. The race was boring until the safety car. Yeah. Max had a seven and a half second lead over Charles Leclerc, who I think had another seven and a half second lead over his teammate, Carlos Sainz, who had another like six second lead over Checo Perez, who had faced some power issues. It was just kind of like boring. It was like boring at the top, at least. It was sick after the safety car. Then the safety car. I've never wanted a safety car more than in this race. Yeah, I I, I had a, if you could have seen me celebrate when the safety car came out, it was a, it was a scene in my living room. It, that race needed the safety car bad. And it, it and did. it all made it worth it because it, it actually was a very fun last, you know, 20 laps. So I couldn't agree more. And so after the safety car, this was what was so unbelievable. Max V. Charles. I thought Charles was going to actually catch Max once DRS got opened. DR Russell, Sam DR Russell, you love DRS. You love Charles Leclerc. You hate Max Verstappen. I was cringing on those last 10 laps thinking that you were going to get your wishes your way and it was just going to be another Charles victory. But unbelievable, Max could just hold him up. I mean, that Red Bull powertrain is so powerful. With DRS, he was still faster. Yeah, in this uh, seesaw of a season so far, it looks like Red Bull now has the razor thin edge over Ferrari. So it's going back and forth and it feels like we're maybe a Ferrari upgrade away in Spain from them kind of getting back over Red Bull. But it's just it's shaping up to be an insane rest of the season. I'm I'm starting to think that it's going to be reliability that will determine who comes out on top between Ferrari and Red Bull. You know, who can stand the track the longest, you know, who's who has the most reliable cars because they're so tight they're so tight so it's it's going to be it's going to come down to to something other than the speed of these cars because they're both just so fast and so close yeah and honestly too max in races finished he's won every race he's finished without reliability issues that's insane it is insane he hasn't lost a race when he finishes this year yeah he's got a great car and he is one hell of a driver hell of a driver so good 
I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. He's so polarizing in the F1 community. People like me either love him or people like Sam either hate him. And then there's people like Stephanie who probably respect him, don't care. But if they were on his team, you'd take take him in a second. Oh, I would definitely take him in a second. Hell yeah. He he's such he is such a good racer and his style is so aggressive that when you pair those two together, you're gonna beat anybody. Of course I would take him on Ferrari. Yeah. And so then the other big battle between Red Bull and Ferrari. Checo Perez v. Signs. Can I just say about that? Signs got so lucky. He got so Sainz lucky. Signs got very lucky. So, what I was going to say is Checo, actually, to be honest with you, Stefano, I think Red Bull got super lucky. That virtual safety car did not allow for anybody to pit. And then, True. right when the safety car came in, Max had just passed the pit lane entry and he could have been a sitting duck for Charles and signs to go into the pits, but somehow neither Ferraris either missed the pit lane entry in time, or they just decided they were going to stay out, which opened the door for Checo to go in and get a fresh set of medium tires on. Stefano, what happened there? Was that a, a strategy blunder from Ferrari to not pit both those cars and get medium tires? They clearly had enough gap. It was a virtual safety car, right? Then the safety car de- deployed. They had clearly enough to gap to come back out in front of Checo. What happened? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was wondering that too during the race. I thought that we were going to see we were going to see at least one of the Ferraris pit for fresher tires because the hard compound tires that Leclerc had were a couple laps older than Verstappen's. So I don't know. I don't know what what the the deal was there. I mean, there wasn't any. We didn't get to hear any radio messages from Ferrari's pit crew to either drivers. So I don't really know what the motivation behind not pitting Leclerc. Yeah, I think or it was Simon. just a missed opportunity. I, I feel like it was. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know the historical Ferrari strategy, but it felt it feels just like sometimes, even though they have a really good car and they've got a really good crew, it just seems sometimes, and I don't know, I have no data to back this up, that the Red Bull strategy and decisions as uh, like using both drivers to advance their team is a slightly have an edge over the Ferrari team and using both drivers and pitting Checo basically prevented any of the Ferrari drivers from going back into the pits because then it was all about track position. Yeah, they bought they bought they botched that. We they were we it. were a, we were a Chuck Leclerc pit stop away from him winning that race, like dead serious. He, he would have won that race if they got him in the pits during that safety car. So I think they, I think they botched that. And I'll I'll be interesting to see if the F1 media kind of catches on and and maybe you know ask ask a few questions because I think they totally botched that and they cost our boy Chuck Leclerc a win today. I really do. I don't know though. If he pitted, what? What do you think they would have put on Chuck's car? But do you think they would have gone for the uh, soft compounds or the? Or I think the, they would have gone softs. That would have been sick. I would if they if they went with softs, he would have put on some times. He would have put some times out there, but he probably would have he would have lost the tires way sooner. Yeah, I think um, I think at that stage we would have seen a much bigger battle between the two if he was on fresher tires. I think that the first couple laps coming off the safety car, Charles was really close. He was getting fighting and getting really close to Max. I think Max was using probably a little bit of battery to kind of hold him back because he knew he had fresher tires in terms of age, and he knew that it's really hard to overtake there. They just had better straight line speed. But yeah. but Checo and Signs, Signs, back to your point, Stefano, super lucky. Checo was within like 0.3 seconds, 0.2 seconds. Going into turn one, Checo made a great move down the inside. But again, the track, the braking line for him, he locked up, went deep, 
Signs is able to just kind of keep on the racing line, take his into turn one and keep Checo at bay. And that was the last time we saw Checo get anywhere near Carlos yeah. Sainz on fresher, medium tires against a 19, 24 year old aged card on a Ferrari where Red Bull dominated straight line speed. Yeah, it was a it was a gutsy move from Perez. Uh, and then when he when he outbraked himself, Sainz said, thank you very much and took took his spot back. And that was it for Checo. And Sam, good hold off for you. You you will talk about your race matchups later in the weekend. You and I were talking Checo versus Signs. I've been all over thinking that Checo is just a better driver, like a more consistent, more experienced, like th- makes less mistakes. So I was thinking Checo, but it was a good hold off on you. You didn't like that line either way. You held off. But enough at the top. Let's move on. Great weekend for Lewis Hamilton and yep. Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton finished behind his teammate. By a couple seconds, but I mean, those Mercedes finished fifth and sixth. So we saw a Red Bull, Ferrari, Ferrari, Red Bull, and then both Mercedes back up to the top of the grid for finishing the week. And a, a good weekend from, from Lewis Hamilton. Sam, you're our big Mercedes guy. Like, I know you, you you thought that they weren't bringing like a whole lot of packages. You were right going in. They bring them. One camp says they are. One camp says they're not. Looked like they had totally different front wing end plates. They had totally different rear wings. And they were fifth and sixth. George Russell, another top five. Yeah, huge weekend for the boys. Russell continues to just, you know, drive absolutely beautifully. He he's he might be one of the MVPs of the season so far. He, he's Hell been yeah. great. Uh, yeah. Lewis was awesome. Funny, he's still complaining about race strategy, saying he's not getting the uh, the the good end of the stick, which is which is funny. But he's kind of right. He keeps getting screwed the safety car. Yeah, they're they're kind of back. The question now is. Are they too far back to maybe find something else and and maybe catch up to Red Bull Ferrari? I don't know. We're still early in the, early in the season. They still think they have a lot of room to improve, but this was a giant step in the right direction. They're, they were great, and, and it was kind of like a relief. Like, okay, they're yeah. not going to be, you know, finishing out of the points every single week like they had been. So, yeah, let great me week. Say, let me just say, I'm so sick and tired of the Lewis Hamilton race strategy. He's no, he's kind of right though. He is kind of right. No, he's not. He doesn't know. He's not screwed with that. No, I couldn't disagree with you any further. He, he missed out on, on because of a safety car. Like the team put George Russell on hards on purpose. Every single other. He hasn't hasn't benefited from one safety car yet. And his and his teammate has on pretty much every single one. That, yeah, but in, in that, the race, in the race, they gave him the option. The pit crew asked him, "Do, do you?" It was too pit? late at that point. It was too late at that point. It was, it, but it was too late. The game. I'm the with you on race strategy stuff, and I, I. But when when 19 out of 20 drivers are starting on the medium compound, and your teammate is the only one on the hard, you, in the safety car comes and gets deployed. That's not a race strategy issue. That's just hard luck. And I, I am with you. Like Lewis, definitely looking at his teammate over the year has lost out on opportunities due to a safety car, but that's not the team's fault. I think he was, I think he was more saying it was bad. It was bad luck due to the, the strategy that I get on board with that I can get on board. I think that's more what he was alluding to. Not, not, he was mad that it it was his strategy that kind of got screwed. Good point. Then, then I agree. I mean, he has hard luck. I mean, you look at the the end of the season last year, and like it's probably screwed by these safety cars. Yeah, he really is. And I mean, now he's sitting at sixth in the drivers, and he's well off of his teammate. He's seventeen points behind Carlos Sainz. 
He's 20 points behind or 23 points behind his teammate. So I, I get where he's coming from and I get that it's tough. And, but it's, again, it's back to like that. Like, what are we supposed to do? Feel bad for Lewis Hamilton because his teammate started on the hard compound and did a mega stint where no one had any data from long runs. Nobody had any data of those hard compounds for long runs and a safety car gets deployed on lap, on lap 41. If you had a gun to my head before the race started, ask if anyone would start in the hard compounds, I'd say no. And if I thought that this was going to be a one-stop strategy, I thought hell no, because I thought the hard compound would never last 41 laps, at least competitively. And damn, it did. But Russell, Russell called it too. He, he, they asked him if he wanted to come in. He, he chanced it. He called it. He played it beautifully. It was very impressive. He's, he's been so good. Rock solid from, from George Russell. Again, just another top five. He's been the, I mean, said it, I said it last week before the pundit said it, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Consistent. The question is, Stefano, is it too little too late for Mercedes at this point in the season? Right now in the constructors, they are well back. They are about 56 points behind Red Bull, 62 points behind Ferrari. It's a lot. I mean, I know it's a, a long season, but They've spent a ton on, on upgrades this year and they're into the budget cap and they've had massive porpoising effects. You said it was yeah. going to be a structural issue that they needed to fix big step forward this weekend. I would say, considering they finished fifth and sixth, how far back are they really? And do they have a chance to actually compete with Ferrari and Red Bull this season? No hard. No, you know, you can, you, you, you can make the argument that the skill of their two drivers will allow them to compete. But I mean, when you have a clearly inferior car that will only take you so far, I think, I, I mean, I think they're what third in the constructors right now. They're third in the constructors with 90, yeah. 95 points. Yeah. That's where they're going to stay. Nobody's going to overtake them. They're not going to overtake Red Bull or Ferrari, but they're going to finish a solid third in the constructors for the year. That's what I'm thinking. We may see individually some pretty good races from George Russell and Lewis. I think maybe one of them may win a race, you know, as far as, as far as any like late season success that may see them jump a place in the standings. No way. It'd be a lonely race for them in third this year. Just looking at the standings right now. I mean, they've got a 50 point gap on McLaren, which by the way, looked horrendous. Yeah. Awful this weekend. weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, Ricard, what's up with Ricardo? I mean, he, he looks so, uninterested in doing anything and just no aggression. I mean, even like qualifying, he just, there's nothing there, like nothing behind his eyes. I don't know. seems like he's lost and then tough, you know, with Lando today, but he didn't even look competitive before the crash. They, I said, I said it earlier in the week there. I think they were a little bit of fool's gold. I don't think that they were in as good a form as they had shown the last couple of races. And I think today was, more you know what we're going to see from them for a lot of the season i don't think they're they're all that competitive lando yeah, norris but... dropped like six places at the start of the race i mean that mclaren was looking like the aston martin of bahrain just like a pig of a car it had zero pace daniel ricardo finished just outside the point but he got beat by a williams a williams Ouch. he should he should, he should have finished like like six or seventh in, in what was supposed to be a fairly competitive car. We talked about it last podcast. Daniel Ricardo. I said the Zach Brown experiment's over and they need to let him go and be done with Daniel Ricardo. I do not. Here's my take right here, right now, after Miami. This is the last season you see Daniel Ricardo in an F1 seat. No I'm way. Starting to like your, I'm starting to like your theory about him getting moved at some point. I think he is a total I, boss. If I'm McLaren, I'm, I am doing anything I can to 
just get him out of there. He just he doesn't look interested. Stefano, you disagree. You think this is not the last? I, I think we're very close to seeing Daniel Ricciardo being moved. I still being think it's going to be for Gasly or kicked out of F one entirely. <laughs> I think kicked out of. I think it's close to him getting kicked out of F one entirely. No, I mean Daniel Ricciardo. His his experience in F one speaks for itself. You know, recent results will put off a lot of teams, but you know, there's definitely going to be a bottom feeder of a team that will take somebody like Daniel Ricciardo if he if he gets booted from from McLaren. Which team um, takes him? Which team on the grid this year picks up Danny Ricardo? Literally any team bef- behind McLaren. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I think you'd rather see. I think you'd have a William if you're going to talk Alpha, about Williams. Alpha, no. Alpine, no. Both, both Alpha, Alpha, Williams, and Romero, no. I think Williams would rather have one of the reserve drivers and grow that versus like spending it on a spending a lot of the budget agree, and money on on Danny Ricardo. Aston Martin, Aston Martin, maybe. I disagree. I still think you'd have rather have Nico Hulkenberg in the seat after what he did. You'd rather this year. have Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> yeah, over Daniel Ricardo. I would. Me? I would. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, well, here's Matt, the question: no. Who no. you're gonna, you're never gonna see Lance Stroll get his seat uplifted. So what are you gonna do? Take Danny? You're gonna take give up Sebastian Vettel for Danny Ricardo, the four-time driver Dude, champion? It's Nico Hulkenberg we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You're Which giving, I, you're, I think, your, your theory is you're giving up Sebastian Vettel for Nico Hulkenberg, who's been out of F1. No, uh, no, know. no. I'm saying, I'm saying, Willie. I'm saying Aston Martin. If they had to choose a laggard Danny Ricardo or just picking their reserve driver who was pretty solid this year. I'm saying I don't think Aston Martin he goes there because they're not going to move Vettel and Lance Stroll has a seat as long as his daddy is paying. So you're not going to see Haas take on Danny Ricardo because they got Mick and K Mag. You're not going to see him go back to Alphatari, maybe, but I don't think he would go back there because he did not have a good exit from Team Red Bull. Alpine's not going to move El Plan or Ocon. Ocon is a better driver than Danny Ricardo and he's younger and more competitive. Alfa Romeo, I think Bottas is a better driver, and they are not going to take him over a rookie of Joe Granue. I don't think he's going to Mercedes, and I don't think he's going back to Red Bull or Ferrari. So I don't see any. The only team maybe is Williams, but they don't have the money to spend on, on a driver like Danny Ricardo. I don't think that he is going to get picked up for next season. He shouldn't. And the way he's racing, yeah. he's racing himself out of a seat. And I'm with you, Stefano. He's a good driver. He's had good results, but he's not getting results this year. And even last year, the only race that he was on the podium for was because the two world championship drivers crashed at Monza into that first tournament. And that yeah. was not his race to win. And he and the only reason he won was because Norris was breathing down his chuff, as you say, and let him have the race win. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, an F1 team, you know, if you're trying to fill a seat, you want somebody who you think can get you consistent, uh, almost guaranteed results. If you're going to, he's not a- that. He does not fit that bill. Yeah, but if you're a bottom feeder, that means you, you don't have a lot to aspire to. You don't have anything to aspire to. If you're if you're a team that consistently finishes in the bottom five of the grid, and you want to take a gamble on a young driver, like look at Kevin Magnuson, his first year in F1, he got he 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 lost his seat after that too because you know he wasn't really putting up results, and he was a young driver, and then he got replaced by somebody who had more experience than him. So yeah, I, I guess, but like you say, he who's finishing in the bottom five of the grid. I mean. Alex Albon, he's in a Williams and he's finishing ahead of Dan Ricardo. You got both Alpines and an Alfa Romeo finishing ahead of him. You got Yuki Tsunoda close to his pace. I mean, this weekend was was 
okay for Daniel Ricardo, but Joe Grant, you finished last, not because of a, an issue with his car, not have anything to do with him. Lando Norris's teammate got into a crash. Pierre Gasly got into a crash. Sebastian Vettel DNF, K-Mag DNF, and Mick Schumacher got into a crash with Sebastian can we, Vettel. Can, so, we, can we just talk about how unfortunate Mick Schumacher's race was? Because oh. he was he was finishing in the points. He was P10. Both both horses reckless at the end. I don't know what the heck they were doing. So I was, that really, the, that really the, pissed me off. I couldn't really tell whose corner it was for the Vettel uh, Schumacher crash. The the camera angle mixed. was a little. It wasn't mixed. I couldn't tell from the camera angle. Did you but, hear uh, what? Did you hear what Vettel said afterwards in his team radio? Oh, I can't remember. He said, "There's no way this guy is a Schumacher." Really? Is that what he said? Yeah. Or is like yeah. Wow. Or, or there's no way this guy is Michael's son or something like that. Wow. I, was that broadcast? No, but I saw it on Twitter. So. Definitely I don't true. take a lot of stock in that because because he has a really good relationship with Mick. He does. That's no, why I'm so anymore. shocked. That's why I'm so shocked that that turned out to be true. Well, yeah, I don't put a lot to, of stock in that. To put a bow on the McLaren discussion, just a disaster weekend for them with their number one driver getting into that crash with Pierre Gasly. Yeah. looked like Pierre was a little bit more at fault there. I think he kind of squeezed him, washed a little bit wide and into, into Norris. And that was a pretty big, pretty big shunt. But yeah, McLaren, bad weekend. Alpines, Sam, big Alpine guy. Great race from Esteban Ocon. Last on the grid to start. Didn't qualify. Mega crash in FP3. Finished P8 ahead of his teammate by almost four seconds from starting dead last on the grid. I mean, this Alpine team is just, it's hanging in the shadows, but it's right there. Yeah, I love this Alpine team. Yeah, so Akon now 5-0 and against Alonso this year. What Unbelievable. A great, what a great drive. You know, I said it at, in the middle of the week. They were a team that I, I feel like they have so much potential. They've, they've shown flashes of so much speed. And, you know, you saw, uh, you know, a glimpse of it today. He said, Akon, great job, great drive. Alonso, I thought, was a, another solid drive. Much needed a few points. They were great. They were great. I, I, I love seeing them drive like that. And it was much needed. And I hope to see more of that. Absolutely. And the only, and uh, still Renault engine, the only Renault engine on the grid. A lot of history there. We've obviously talked with our, our friends at Alpine about that. Shout out and Seb and the boys. Seb and the boys, uh, Lucy and the girls and, and Clarice. We look to have you guys working with you again in the future. It's just, I mean, El Plan was solid too. Bodice, we, we kind of overlooked him, but that Alfa Romeo is quick. Stefano. Bodis made a little bit of an errant move going. He he had an error, which is a little bit uncharacteristic because he's usually pretty solid. He's not aggressive and like a glamorous driver, but he, he had that deep lockup, let both Mercedes through to finish seventh behind them. I really desperately wanted to see a Bodis Lewis, Bodis uh, Russell battle. But yeah. That Alpha uh, Romeo is quick. It is. Uh, are you talking about when he almost put himself into the wall? Yes, I am. Yeah, that was that was an amazing recovery from from Valtteri on that one. I for sure thought he was done, but yeah, no, I'm very impressed with uh, with the power unit from from Alpha. Well, it's, um, it's Ferrari engine, of course you are. That's a nice except, little shameless plug for you and your favorite team. Not only that, but for my my second favorite car, Mark Alpha, definitely impressed. Valtteri is a very good driver, uh, somebody who's been a little bit hard done by luck. You know, always playing second fiddle to Lewis while he was on Mercedes. So I think he he's due for some good results. 
now that he's sort of in the spotlight on his, on, on, on his own team, you know, definitely not championship caliber, definitely not going to be fighting up near the top, but, you know, definitely do for some good drives, definitely do for some good press. Yeah. And, uh, and Sam, you and I have talked many a times at how frustrated we would be with Valtteri Bottas when he was on Mercedes. He was always a good teammate, but he made some blunders on the team championship drives. He like let Max through a couple of times and he should have been holding him up. But one thing I think is lost and that's really cool to see this year is actually how good of a driver he is when he's in the one seat. I mean, he is very solid and we never get to see that side of him when he was at, at Mercedes, but I, I personally have liked watching Valtteri drive this year. Yeah, he sort of looks at home. I think he's found yeah. a, a great spot and a great situation to maximize his skills. Um, I, we, we always see him kind of get the most out of cars. He's a, known for great qualifying, and we're just seeing more of that in, in a midfield car. I think it it almost exacerbates those skills, and I think he's been super impressive. And I don't even like him very much, but – I'll tip my cap to him. I, I've I thought it was going to be a lost year for him, and I was totally wrong. He's been great. He really has. I mean, he's been very solid. He was probably looking at a, a P five finish, maybe a battle with George or Lewis. That little error cost him. I mean, how many how many races he, has he been in the points so far through five races? I believe he's been through three because he had that DNF in Jeddah. I think he finished up in the points in Bahrain. I think he finished up in the points in Australia. Yeah, it's either four or five. It's either three or four. Might have been, he might not have placed in Imola, but he's been in the points, I think, at least three races with Bahrain. Impressive. Uh, Australia in, in this race. Um, and then to round out our in the points, my favorite, like non, even best of the rest or top of the field. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I think it's because I, I don't like how he he got kind of demoted at Red Bull, and I always thought he kind of had some hard luck, and I feel like he's a passionate driver and he wants to succeed. Alex Albon and a Williams coming from P18 up to P10. Another good drive out of him. Bad qualifying. He actually had a, good, a decent car, said the tire warm-up issue was bad, but a Williams scoring a point again. That's that's a good result for the name. Any historical F1 fan loves a, a good Williams finish. Uh, I'm happy for Alex Albon. Yeah, he had his red hair. He said he dyed it red because he was superstitious. Back when he was at Red Bull, he scored points because he had the red hair. He dyed his hair red again, got points again. His teammate finished four places behind him after starting right behind him. So he just another fantastic drive from him. I'm rooting for him because I think being in Williams, which Williams and Aston Martin are clearly the back markers this season. And for him to be in the points for another race, just you got to tip your cap. That, that's my opinion. It's starting to become one of the stories of the year, to be honest. Really is. It really it's, is. It's, it's fun to watch. It, it truly is fun to watch. Um, one team that we haven't talked about yet, Disaster Weekend. Similar to McLaren, but he, but disaster was AlphaTauri. Looking like they were sharp on point this weekend. Yuki and Pierre both up in the top 10 starting on the grid. Pierre Gasly didn't finish. Uh, crashed with Lando Norris. What was, what was, up, what was up with that? He, that was bizarre moment for Gasly, that crash. He, you can, Uncharacteristic. They, they broadcast his team radio, and like he caught himself by surprise kind of going – wide into that turn and then like carelessly going back on the track that was totally his fault yes. flipping lando i thought gasly was like out to lunch there i don't know what he was doing 
it was so uncharacteristic of him. It almost was very like Lance Stroll-esque, like not yeah, really knowing what he was doing, kind of like washed himself wide a little bit, didn't check his mirrors, didn't realize maybe how close Lando was. I'm not going to make excuses for him because I'm a Pierre Gasly fan. Again, another guy I felt steamrolled at Red Bull a little bit. Maybe it was just dehydration. I mean, they were saying this was one of the hottest on track temperatures and these guys lost a lot. They were saying like, it was starting to get to whether people could stay focused or not. Maybe, That's a ridiculous maybe it's an excuse. excuse. Could be. Yeah, but, I agree with Sam because I mean these these guys race in Singapore and Malaysia. They know what it's like to to deal with heat on a track. <laughs> I'm not I'm not letting Gasly off for not looking in in his mirrors because yeah. he was dehydrated. Just no way. <laughs> yeah, you're well, a professional race car driver. That's that's no, I, that's a rookie. That's a rookie Formula Three error right there. It's good. That's it's a good point. Speaking of rookie Formula Three errors, Lance Stroll seemed to be again. He got another warning for a double for a black and white flag for weaving on the straights. What's up with this guy? Yeah, that guy. Su- that guy. Yeah, I was just gonna say that guy sucks. Stroll's just. I've had enough of him. He's clearly, you know, where he's at right now because he is best friends with his own father. I don't like him as a driver. I think he is sometimes a danger on the track. I don't think he has much of a future in F1. Not to say that he's going to lose his seat anytime soon because he races for his dad. Should Larry Stroll sell the team? Like we were talking about in the preview, his future is in peril because he's not a good driver. He really isn't. Yeah. And for for our listeners who have been with us since the inauguration of our podcast, they know that Sam and I are anti-Latifi, anti-Stroll, on-track drivers. Maybe nice people in person, but we don't like them. Sounds like, Stefano, you're kind of with us, that they're dangerous on track. And and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Aston Martin, kind of a blah meh blah weekend from them that all got into a crash nick didn't really matter too much but sam that the last team on the grid that we didn't we haven't talked about yet our favorite team of 2022 that we were rooting for in the midfield what's been happening to haas the last few races they came out the gate so strong and they looked so crisp and in the last two races i don't think they've been in the points yet mick still yet to score a point K-Mag was swapping places with, with Mick. He ended up getting a penalty, so he finished behind Mick. Then I think he got classified as DNF. What's going on with Haas? What's happened to them? So today was totally user error. They you know, The first half of the race, they looked like they were both going to score points. They they had the pace. You could tell during practice all week they, were, they had a realistic chance to both be in the points. And then... I don't know what happened out on the track. They they were both super careless, both in a couple different incidences, specifically Magnuson, just in a couple bizarre spots. He, he looked like a rookie out there. I don't know what was going on. And, and the last lap was bizarre. Him getting a penalty after the race. I, it was bizarre finish from Haas. And I thought today was just total user error because I think that car is a pretty good car. Yeah, and we'll talk about it later, but kind of screwed your race matchups with that that time penalty. Big time. Big but, time. Stefano, any thoughts on your Ferrari-powered Haas? I mean, what happened? Any any reactions to them? This it, Maybe it was just track, new track? Well, I mean, Shumi looked good throughout most of the race, and then he got squeezed out by Vettel on that turn where they where they crashed. So I, I, I'm with Sam. I think it was just mostly user error. Neither of the drivers are particularly experienced. I mean, K-Mag has been in F1 before. He's got some races under his belt, and Shumi is still very, very, very young. Um, yeah. So they're still they're still trying to adapt to 
life in F1. But I mean, I was I was impressed with with Haas for a good portion of the race and then they just blew it. Yeah. It, it sucks because they definitely have a competitive car this year. So this is not your younger brother's Haas of, of years past where they're finishing in the back of the grid because they have just horrendous pace and they can't figure anything out. Just a day for them to forget because they were both up in the points. And yeah. And I'm really pulling for, for Mick, you know, as, as an F1 romantic, uh, you know, the Schumacher name really needs to be back you know, at the top of the grid. Well, and after today's performance, and if the quote from Sam is true, that Vettel says this is not a Schumacher, I think a lot of us thinking he's going to one day be sitting in a Ferrari and say 2025 alongside Charles Leclerc and return of the Schumacher name back to the cherry red prancing horse. Today didn't look like it was ready at all anytime soon for him to be doing that. Well, he showed glimpses. He showed he showed flashes of of good quality. You know, he just needs he just needs more time in the seat. No, I agree, Stefano. Mick just needs a, a couple more more races under his belt. I think it's a good pairing with K Mag this year to kind of get some of that experience from the driver. And it looked like the two of them on the grid this morning were talking about strategy. Will Buxton tried to overhear and and K Mag slapped the mic away like in a joking way, like no, like you're not going to get our trade secrets. So I, yeah. I still hold out a lot of hope for Mick. But it's how they're both determined, and I, I like to see that. Totally. We got to talk about this. Sam's bets. Sam, unreal weekend. You had such hard luck going from almost a seven and two race weekend to six and three because of some bogus K mag five second time penalty at the end that just put him behind his teammate. But weekend six and three, race matchups three and one. Other matchups, three and two. The two losses were Charles Leclerc to win the race and Charles Leclerc fastest lap, which let's be honest, those were a flip of a coin, but you had Charles at plus 135 earlier in the week. So it was good value pick. 1911 on the season, a 63% win rate. Take a bow, but talk to the, the fans. What? How are you doing this? Well, first off, K Mag's on my shit list. I was, I was He's about to. Step. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> That one's going to take a while to get over. I mean, I was I was a lap away from going back to back four in a weeks. I am. I'm on scorcher. Uh, I don't. I don't really know how to describe it. When you're in the zone like I am, you just kind of black out, and it just it happens. So, look to keep the momentum in Spain. Um, very very excited to give our followers more picks. I know uh, you know quite a few of them were hitting me up today for for my plays. Um, so I know a lot of people made some money, which I'm happy, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll only get better. So we'll keep grinding. Yeah. No free picks. If you want any of Sam's picks, you have to listen to the podcast and follow uh, me we, on Twitter and, and follow in the, in points, the points on Twitter in underscore on the underscore points on Twitter for race matchups every Saturday post qualifying Sam. It's just remarkable. I mean, you have a pulse of the lines and what Vegas is doing with F1 like, that I have never seen before and will continue to just, you had said it three weeks ago. This is just who you are and it's not going away and promises made promises delivered and you're delivering those. Yeah. Head down, keep pushing. Um, yeah. We'll just, uh, we'll keep making money for all the loyal in the points podcast followers. Sadly, though, you have snapped your race winner streak. Four and zero now. Four and one again. Maybe if that if Charles Leclerc had pitted when they were supposed to, 
We were, hey, we were, we were a Chuck LeClaire pit stop away from me being five and oh there. So, hey, it's that's kind of the nature of the game. Um, margin of error small, you know, one week it goes your way, this week it didn't in the race, in the race bets, but um, it's all right. We'll get them next time. Four and one so far to start the year is, is pretty good. Pretty damn yeah. good. All right, guys, let's turn to our uh, our favorite newest segment is voicemails from our listeners. So any one of our favorite listeners, you can come on to in the leave a voicemail for us. And any week we will bring these onto the episode and we'll react to them. So, Sam, this one we have this week following Miami race, Brady from Buffalo, New York. Yo, it's uh, Brady in Buffalo. I wanted to get your opinion after seeing these guys were competing down in Miami. Do you think any of the teams are being funded by drug? I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks uh, for the call, Brady from Buffalo. Appreciate the support. Yeah, so, I mean, that interesting thought. And to be honest, yeah, I mean, it, it probably is. Um, you know, you hear a lot about – you know, Lawrence Stroll kind of seems like a guy who would kind of be involved in some stuff like that. He's pretty shady. So he's probably a good chance he's involved in some kind of um, drug scheme. Checo, I know, has got, you know, Mex- Mexican ties maybe to cartel. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all in all, I would say there's a probably a pretty decent chance that there's a lot of drug money being laundered through uh, F1 and, and the FIA. Yeah. So actually it's funny. Cause I feel like there's like two different sides of this, like which drivers are being funded through drug money. Like their families just were like rich and they're laundering it through them. And like, it's obviously a very expensive sport for drivers to make it to F1. There's a lot of carding. There's a lot of you buy your own engines and things like that. So I'm sure people, all of these drivers are coming from some sense of wealth, whether they're paid drivers on the grid or not. So to answer the question, I think 100% that we're going to see drug money through F1. I think which drivers, maybe some, maybe not like Schumacher, Verstappen, those are both like racing pedigree teams. Their fathers were in racing. I think Carlos Sainz, his father was in racing. So there's a lot of those guys who probably just like massive wealth. Their kids want to do it too. But let's, how could we forget? I mean, Haas last year took money from a Russian oligarch. These guys are no strangers to taking money from some shady places. You're telling me that there's probably not some drug money being laundered through the FIA, through some of these Italian guys. I mean, get real. Uh, Brady from Buffalo, to answer your question, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not going to sit here and say that the F1 community and the FIA are huge drug laundering places, but let's be real. These guys, there's some shady dudes, some shady cats on the grid. Like I said, tale of two races. The second half of the race was super exciting and electric. We got, thanks to the safety car, we got to see some actual close battles. Signs showing why he earned that extension, holding off Checo, keeping his P3 back on the podium. Sam, you were all over that. It's been so long since he could finally get that monkey off his back. Good day for Ferrari. Much needed day for Max. He really needed that to chip away at Charles's lead in the constructors. Overall, I think it was a great weekend for Red Bull, all things considered, with the reliability concerns, with their time on track. Great weekend for Ferrari with not bringing too many upgrades and not losing too many points. They probably wish they had a little bit better, but what are your guys' final takeaways? Let's start with Sam. Final takeaways from Miami this weekend. Yeah, this just solidifies that we are going to be in for a great rest of the season. Red Bull is, you know, they're there, if not a little ahead of Ferrari and what we once thought was Ferrari's constructors championship to lose. And, you know, Chuck LeClaire's driver championship to lose. 
it might be flip now and it might be Red Bull and Max's. So I cannot wait to see what Ferrari brings to Spain because the the sh- uh, the the tides have definitely shifted. I agree, Stefano. Your final thoughts? Definitely an enjoyable weekend, if a little bit of an underwhelming race. You know, I'm looking forward to the future of Miami and F1. I'm looking forward to the future of America and F1 because we're getting Vegas next year too. As far as the rest of the season is concerned, I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think as far as Red Bull starting to pull ahead of Ferrari. We're starting to get into the more technical circuits of of the year. So uh, expect Ferrari's advantage in the turns and the twisty bits to show. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty electric on track. Definitely looking forward to an explosive rest of the season. We've obviously got Spain coming up, pretty technical, some straight line speed there, but then we go into Monaco, obviously street circuit, super technical, really, really excited to see what these cars look like on track. And then obviously later on the season, we got Baku, which is again, another Monaco-like, another Jetta-like, very technical track, not a whole lot of, a couple straight line speed areas. But again, um, you say that though, Stefano, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but one DRS zone, somewhat technical, Red Bull dominated there. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about your take and I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're just going to, I think Sam's right. It's going to be reliability. And then I think it's just going to be setup related. It's going to be a lot of the packages, the upgrades, setup related, balance of the car, who can kind of just find and unlock that pace. I think we're in for one of the best F1 seasons of all time. And it's clearly shaping up that way. Sam, Stefano, uh, what a great weekend. Awesome weekend. Looking forward to Spain. We'll be back within the week to do our Spanish Grand Prix preview. Adios, amigos. Fire it up. That's a wrap for us on this week's episode of In The Points. As always, please like, subscribe, and smash all those bells and whistles so you never miss an episode with the hottest Formula One takes from the fastest-growing podcast in the world. Join us next week, Thursday, May 19th, for our Spanish Grand Prix race preview. And as always, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer.